Right, hello, welcome to the latest episode of the Big Football Podcast. Hosting as always, my name's Dan and I'm joined this evening by Khan. Good evening. Paul is um, in the middle of completing the transfer, um, not to another podcast, but from one house to another. Um, so we are joined by uh, a guest, a returning guest, returning to your spiritual home, uh, Matt Passant. Matt, how are you doing? I'm good, Dan. Thanks for having me back. You're very welcome. Or should I say, yeah, I'm all right. Yeah, I'm all right. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm busted. <laughs> very, very good. good, that, good that's black you. country, though. That is a black country saying. So, uh, if I'm here to talk about whether I might have not got off to a good start there. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, just, you just very helpfully reminded everyone you're you're the Villa fan that we had on last year. Um, we had a, a good chat about Villa, and we're going to do so again shortly. Um, um, but what we're going to do is, first of all, I'm going to remind you all that you can catch the Big Football Podcast on Spotify, Podbean iTunes, Amazon Music and Google Podcasts. And we're going to start off with, uh, actually for this podcast anyway, very breaking news um, that effective next week, you are going to have to provide proof of vaccination, i.e. the COVID NHS pass happy thing to get into crowds of more than 10,000. So I'm on the treatment table at the moment. I'm probably not going to be able to go to games until February or when this kidney stent is removed. Um, but I, I've been kind of waiting for this because despite claims to the contrary by people who should know better, it's pretty obvious that we were going to end up back at this point where working from home was going to be the uh, the, the big thing um, and the, there's been controversy about whether or not there's going to be um, kind of mandatory checks for vaccines in stadiums for a while. Now, I don't want to turn this into the, the COVID cast, as we always seem to, but I just wanted to get your thought. You, you both go to the game. Um, you know, like, w- w- what do you think about this? I, it's not something that I'm too bothered about because I, I've been double vaccinated. I have my booster on, on Saturday as well. You know, I, I'm not a, a vaccine sceptic. You know, I've got the app on my phone. I can just whip it out and someone can beep it and I, I can go in and I can feel safe and not have a problem and have, you know, I, I've been to pretty much every game that I can um, I've been on the, uh, the the shelf for a month but I'm just wondering, wondering what, what you two as match going fans think about this, is it viable, is it a extremism that you're not going to go along with or is it just one of those things that we're going to have to get used to for probably the next five years or so? Well like you Dan I'm double vaccinated so it's not a problem for me and uh, what Villa have been doing this season is They've been trialling it with the vaccine passports, but they've been saying, but we will not reject entry. So I don't know what the point was that they were going to check, but reject entry. I assume that it was just to get a an idea of how they were going to do it when it became mandatory, like it looks like it's become. But I've got no problem with it, Dan. I'm vaccinated, my wife's vaccinated, the kid's obviously too young to be, but yeah, just crack on. If it gets you in the game, it gets you in the game. That's all I'm bothered about. Yeah, I'm kind of the same. Also, uh, double vaccinated, haven't yet had the booster, but um, I will obviously try and get that uh, as soon as I can as well. And like you said, Dan, you know, I've got the app on my phone. I've had to use it for, you know, dozens of other things already this year. So I, I don't really see the problem with it. Um, it is ultimately, a you know, particularly at top flight football and, and even other levels, you're talking about thousands of people gathering in the same place. It, it just feels like it's common sense more than anything else. Um, I know there are skeptics out there and, and whatever, and maybe they've they've got their reasons, but uh, I think people just need to get on board with it, really. 
Um, and, and ultimately, I guess if if they can't, then yeah, they will have to uh, sacrifice going to the match for the foreseeable, I guess, because I don't think we know how long uh, these things are going to be in place for, do we? So um, it's just a, a reality of the situation we're in, you know, and we've talked about it a lot before when these things, as we've been doing this podcast, we've had restrictions coming in and tears coming in and all sorts. Um, <laughs> and this is just the uh, tears as in, uh, you know, the uh, the levels rather than as, you know, blubbing through the podcast. Um, I should <laughs> clarify, um, although we've probably been close to that a couple of times. But um you know, it's just the, the, the nature of things at the moment. I think, uh, you know, we just have to be braced for, for change and restrictions and things coming and going. And as you say, Dan, you know, it's probably going to be a reality for for a while. I mean, it's it's almost two years now, isn't it, really, that COVID's been, been around. And, uh, you know, the fact that we're still going into bringing in restrictions, you know, two years in, um, I think, you know, tells us that this is a, something we are just going to have to to sort of put up with and live with for, for a while yet, I think. We we have a COVID survivor room in our midst. Yeah, oh yeah, I tested positive the morning of Gerard's debut, Carl. Oh, really? Bit, yeah, me, um, me and I would take my wife and children to the game. My wife tested positive in the week with me eldest, so it was just me and the youngest that were going, and I tested positive on the Saturday of the game, so we had to miss it, so my youngest wasn't happy with me one bit. Oh, and then yeah. he got it three days later. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is this is it. It's, I think if you're you're sort of in living yeah. with or in close proximity to someone, it's almost guaranteed that uh, it's going to spread like wildfire around the house, isn't it? Well, they obviously. I don't want to make light of it because I know people do get it serious, but I I had no symptoms whatsoever. I wasn't unwell. So um, when they say it's just a cold, for me, it wasn't even that. <laughs> so, but. <laughs> The effective nature of the vaccines. Yes, said. exactly. So I'm the walking um, advert for it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we're we're going to be getting a bad rep in some places in America. Yes. Uh, yes. With, with positive talk about vaccines like this. Um, I can, I can live with that, Dan, to be fair. <laughs> it's always a subject to try to stay away from, whether it's on here or on social media. It's not worth the backlash you get off some people, is it? There's, people are in factions on it, aren't they? And yeah. So, so you're not going to please everyone. What you basically mean, Matt, is you don't want to tangle with the people of Bridgend. <laughs> yeah that's the, the, it the most venomous facebook group in christendom <laughs> that's right yeah um if we kind of move away from from covid because um frankly we've, we've all had enough of it um one the, the one talking point i want to get to before we get to the the afton villa stuff is about villa and it's about the the game against leicester that they had this weekend in which they won two one, and just coming up to half time, Jacob Ramsey had a goal disallowed. Um, all of my life as a goalkeeper, and as as you are yourself, Matt, I was under the impression that if I had the ball in one hand, I was in trouble. If someone come to nod that out of my head, the on Dublin share given for our listeners who are old enough to recall that, I was under the impression that that was fair game. If um, you were kind of mid-kick, you were fair game. Um, I thought that decision to disallow that goal was an absolute shambles. In what world has Kasper Michael got control of that ball? It's, 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 I mean, I'll, I'll let you tee off on it, Matt, uh, because obviously it affected you, but uh, the rules of the game, I, I just don't see how a goalkeeper can say, oh, I've got control of that because I've got one hand on the ball against the floor. Well, obviously, when the um, 
VAR, when it says checking a goal, you sort of have that feeling, don't you, whether it's going to happen, whether the goal's going to be given or not. And I was so confident that that, that was a nothing. You know, when it said checking goal and it showed the first replay, I thought, there's nothing to worry about here. There's There's nothing wrong with what's happened there. I was stunned when he disallowed it. And um, massive credit to Steven Gerrard for picking them up at halftime because that right on the stroke of halftime, a lot of teams would go into the dressing room feeling sorry for themselves and and blaming that. But obviously he got the troops rallied and they went on to win the game. Whether that may have happened a few weeks previous, I don't know. But um, it was a terrible decision, Dan. And like you said, you always think you're bullet... Well, you're in trouble with one hand. But then they put the rule up on the screen saying if you're in one hand and it's like if your hand's touching the ground or touching your body, then you're in control. And then they were on about when the challenge is made. And my question to you two is, is the challenge made when Ramsey's connected with the ball or is the challenge made when Ramsey swung his foot? Because when he swung his foot, I don't think Michael's anywhere near it anyway. It literally seems like his foot and hand touch it at the same time. So it's a grey area, and like you say, I think they were just trying to overcomplicate it. It's like they want to disallow goals now. That's how it feels to me. They're looking for reasons not to give goals. I think it definitely uh, opens up, and we've you know we've talked about this before around how you know VAR is supposed to be you know objective and sort of clinical, but actually it's still there's still elements that are open to a bit of interpretation and a bit more subjective. And this feels like one of those as, as well. And it, you know, it does feel like a, a sort of needless um, intervention. Um, you know, it wasn't, you know, would you say it was a, you know, what, what what's the term clear and obvious, you know, supposed to be when things are looked at, um, you know, it didn't seem very clear to anyone um, watching. In, in, the, in the pre-VAR era, that's not getting discussed at all. The no. goal's given and it's yeah. not getting discussed at halftime. Was it a foul? Yeah. It doesn't get a mention, does it? All, when they analyse it, all they're going to say is like credit to Ramsey for reacting the way he did. There's going to be no mention of a possible foul or nothing in the pre-VAR era. So, makes no, you exactly. Wonder, um, yeah, exactly. You'd say it was so quick thinking from like you say, the sort of player, um, the outfield yeah. player, and that, that would pretty much be it. I don't think anyone was bracing themselves for that being a talking point until the exactly. officials decided to get involved and make it one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And of course, I don't think uh, Schmeichel's played a bit of a blinder there as well. I, I mean, he, he was instantly down, holding his hand, making a meal of it, just to get, probably just to get the attention of the VAR. I don't know. Schmeich- yeah, possibly. Yeah. I, I can sort of see that with Schmeichel a little bit. He's a good keeper, but I think he does have that slight sort of dark art side to his game as well. Um, Jose, would, Jose would love him. They, yeah. they interviewed him after the game and he said he's going to need an X-ray and I don't know how his X-ray came back. I'd like to know. So, <laughs> be interested to see if he'll play this weekend. Yeah, yeah I think he'll struggle on. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, like... It probably did hurt, you know, like the contact. There's nothing wrong with the contact, but it probably did hurt. But uh, it's just, it's not a foul. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, it's just not a foul. There's no way. I mean, if it was on BT, you'd have what's his name? Oh, Walton. Uh, you'd yeah. have Peter Walton defending that decision to the death, and it's just no. 
it, it's the ball was there to be won. I don't think the lad done anything wrong. Um, and and like you said, I think VAR is is it makes it easier for people to get involved and stick the nose in because like if that was a Saturday three o'clock three years ago, no one says a word about it. No. Like I said to you, there's no discussions in the studio. There's no discussions on match of the day. Was it a foul in the pre-VAR era? So it's ridiculous, really. And like I said to you, Dan, um, when we were speaking before, it was one of them games where we were poor in the first half. And you had that feeling, we're lucky to be going into this game level but based on the performance, but unlucky not to be going into half-time. Two one up because of a bad decision. So it was a, it was a weird situation really for the players. Yeah, and and we'll we'll, we'll kind of get on to, to the reaction in a bit when we we talk about the current Villa. But what I wanted to to kind of move to to, to talk to to you about is um, would would Dean Smith, someone who I had a lot of time for uh, as a person and as a manager of Villa, play attractive football? What kind of went wrong the? Um, towards the end of his time, obviously the, the five losses on a spin, um, and the, the big decision was made to to remove him. And I just wanted to to get your thoughts on Smith, what went wrong, and obviously he'd be welcome back at Villa Park any time. Being a Villa oh, fan. he will. Um, I think uh, obviously the beginning and the end was the the way we lost the Wolves game um, two 0 up ten minutes to go, lose three two, and, uh, and obviously that has an effect on the confidence of the players. And um, when we got relegated. We did exactly the same against Leicester. Uh, we 2-0 up, 10 minutes to go, lost 3-2. Didn't win again till January. And we ended up coming bottom of the league and having an absolute shambles of a season. And so, obviously, not with the owners, because the owners weren't around there, but with the fans, there was that sort of anxiety. And then four losses followed it. I think what went wrong for Smith, two things. I don't think he had a plan away from Jack Grealish. And uh, even in the Championship... His win record wasn't great without Jack Grealish. Uh, it's when Grealish come back from injury, we went on that 10-game winning run that we actually got promoted. We were, I believe, we were 14th when Grealish come back. So he wasn't pulling trees down without him in the Championship. In the Premier League um, last season, the season ended, fell to pieces when he, when he was out injured. And then when we sold him, I think 22% was his win record without Jack Greeley. So I don't think he had a plan away from him. I also think um, Danny Ings is a great signing. I was absolutely buzzing when we got Danny Ings. But I don't think Smith knew what to do with him. He was trying to play this 3-5-2 to get Ings and Watkins in the team. And it it wasn't working. So, um, and then of course the Wolves game was the beginning of the end. And when you lose five in the row, our, our owners are very ambitious. And I think they thought it's now the right time to let him go and try something else. And so far it's worked, but I wish him well. I've got nothing but respect for Dean Smith. My son's met him. Um, he's a really nice guy. He's Villa. He's a Villa fan. He'd have been absolutely devastated to have lost his job. And I, I really wish him well at Norwich and he'll get time at Norwich. He will. I think if they go down, he'll definitely be given the chance to get them back up. And I think he will. I think he will get them back up. 
the way the league is going, there's no guarantees that Norwich are going to go down. It, it, the, the bottom of that table is pretty bonkers at the moment. It is, but I watched them against Newcastle the other week and they played they played well up to the last 20 yards and they just couldn't get that killer ball into the box and create many chances. And I think Against 10 men. Against 10 men, yeah. But it's difficult against 10 men because they defend a lot deeper, don't they? But I still think... I, Away from Timo Puki, I think he scored most of their goals. They haven't really got that second man to get their goals. And no, and even, even even he's not had the same impact as when he first came up. No. And, even, and even then, when they first came up, he had that initial flurry and tailed off, didn't he? After yeah, sort of yeah. autumn, but he's not even had that initial, <laughs> not even had the initial flurry this time, which hasn't hasn't helped. And you're right, there's not a lot of goals in that side, and they but and they, they and they concede a lot as well. So it's yeah, not a great that, yeah. But I mean, they've got. I don't know where Todd Campbell is at the moment, but there's he's highly thought of, and I said creativity seemed to be a problem for him in the Newcastle game, and Campbell could add that. So, like you say, Dan, we'll have to wait and see. It's a funny, funny league. <laughs> Speaking of of um, of Norwich, kind of the main replacement for Grealish was um, Emmy Buendia. H- how's that been working out? Um, oh, he's getting a lot of stick, but I, I, when I watch Wendy, I see hard work. I see he, he chases everything. He does work hard. He tends to get caught in possession quite a bit, and I, I'm not going to, you know, destroy my own fans too much, but Villa Park can be quite a hostile place when things aren't going well. The collective groans when he loses the ball. I don't think that's going to help. You need to give players time to settle. But he's created a lot of chances. And I can see the player that we've bought in there. We just need to see it more. And I think once it... And I think over the next few weeks, once it clicks with him... And and Gerard's obviously a big fan because he plays him every week. I think we'll see what we paid. Or he's our record signing. So um, that adds pressure to him, I suppose, doesn't it? But... um, yeah, I'd probably say 7 out of 10 to start with, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I didn't realise he was your record signing, actually. Um, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah that does yeah. does come with, you're right, it does come with a bit of pressure. Um, I mean, I think what one of the questions I, I wanted to, to, to ask you, Matt, is, and we, we've sort of touched on this already in talking about, you know, plan away from Greylish and referencing Buendia and Ings, is how involved do you think Dean Smith was in the sort of summer transfer business? That's a good question. Um, I don't think Ings was a Smith signing in the same way. I don't think Ronaldo was a Solskjaer signing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's how I, I see it. Um, Watkins, I think, is a brilliant player. And we were always better with a three. And um, to bring Ings in, that means you either have to put Watkins out wide or you have to drop Watkins. So it, it sort of created a problem for him, which ultimately led to him losing his job. So he's a great player, Danny Ings, and I'm really happy we've got him, but it's Ings or Watkins. And I think it seems to work better at the moment with Watkins. Yeah, it certainly seems. I mean, I think that was the main thing when Villa signed Ings was, you know, no one was doubting that Ings is a, is a good player and he had a very good season for Southampton, but I think it was the... Does it? Where does he fit? <laughs> was more the question yeah. rather than like, oh, he's a dreadful player. You shouldn't sign him. It was more, yeah, good player, but as he as he made the right move. Um, it, he, and you know... also, it, it was a signing that came out of the blue. 
there was no mm. usually you're usually linked with a player and there's usually speculation. It literally Grealish was gone, that was announced, and then ten minutes later Ings was announced. So was it sort of a calm the fans down sort of you know what I mean? Like mm. has this been really has this been signed to sort of tell the fans don't panic, we 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 are gonna be all right without him? He scored a oh. great goal. Against Newcastle, that overhead kick, and and he's been unfortunate. He's had he's injured at the moment, but it's just like I said to you, it's seeing how him and Watkins work together, and and what's the solution there. Big clubs will rotate them, but for some reason, people don't seem to associate rotation with mid-table or lower clubs. They, like you, you sort of picture a best eleven, and that's it, but. They don't both fit in the eleven, in my opinion. It's one or the other, and Watkins is doing nothing wrong at the moment. Will Will Dean Smith kind of be remembered for a long time, given that he got you back up? Oh yeah, yeah. Dean, Dean Smith um, is idolised even now by the fans, and he always will be, and he'll get a great ovation when he comes back, and he'll always be remembered for the band. We were in a terrible position over the the years before we got promoted under Randy Lerner, under Dr. Tony Jay. It was a bleak place and we lost to the play in the playoff final to Fulham the year before. He sort of reconnected the fans with the team and started the upward trend. And every season under Smith, we got better. We got promoted in his first season, stayed up the second season, kicked onto mid-table the third season. And it started to look like at the end it was going back down the other way. So, but I, people will remember the first three seasons. They won't remember how it finished. They, they will respect and they will uh, be happy with the time that they will see his time with Villa as a success. I believe. I do anyway. Yeah, and any manager that's not Steve Bruce. Um... Oh well, yeah, yeah. I mean. Yeah, Newcastle have been through it. But um, Smith, I think it's that saying in football, as he took you as far as you can go. I, I'm, I don't think we'd have beat Leicester Sunday with Smith with the, you know, with the goal before half-time and the poor performance. I, I think Gerrard's much better at getting a reaction from the players at half-time, which he's proved in his four games because we seem to have been a much better team in the second half of every game we've played under him so far. And I think he's changed the mentality as well of the club. Well, it seems like a good a good time to, to kind of move on to Gerard. Then um, Villa had a, a plan. It would seem there was no kind of Tottenham uh, windmilling around trying to appoint Ledley King or uh, <laughs> Eric Thorsten. Uh, uh, I can't remember his name. The goalkeeper Thorstved, I think it was actually. Uh, Jurgen Klinsmann was probably contacted. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Ramon Vega was probably on the list, and then they ended up with Nuno, who lasted three months. And now they they had a plan to get Conte, but with none of that, there was none of that with Villa. It, the, the early reports coming out of the media was Steven Gerrard is who Aston Villa want to be the next manager. The problem is, can they get him now? Uh, and that all happened very quickly. So, do, do you think that that was the the plan? Like when, when things I think were wrong with Smith, it's like right. We're gonna we're gonna get in touch with Gerard. Do you think that was? I do, yeah. And I think uh, Christian Perslow has a lot to do with that. I think uh, Gerard's a Perslow man, 
And I think um, Persler, I, I don't think they'd have pulled the trigger on Smith if they weren't confident they were going to get him. So I think that discussion took place before Smith was sacked. Yeah, I was going to say that was going to be my question is, yeah, do you think there was a bit of uh, bit of pre-contact? Because if it happens that quickly, it usually means there has been to some degree. And like you said, yeah. they obviously know each other from their Liverpool time when Perslow was uh, sort of chief exec there, wasn't he, a few years back? Yeah, yeah, I definitely think that Perslow was the, the main driving force behind that. And, and, and generally, um, was the kind of, were people pleased with these links or was it a, need to do better than Scotland? Um, I think I, I personally was very happy because of Gerard as the player, the character he has. Um, people, I think English fans especially, are very snobby towards the Scottish League. What people need to realise is when Gerard took over Rangers, Celtic were dominating year after year and he knocked them off their perch. It would be like going to Dortmund now, wouldn't it, and knocking Munich off their perch. You know, it's a great... He's done a great job. And um, we've had some great managers come from Scotland. Brendan Rodgers was at Celtic before he came to Leicester. We got Martin O'Neill from Celtic 10, 15 years ago. So I think we are quite snobby towards the Scottish League. So, um, But obviously, Dean Smith was a fan favourite. So there was a lot of fans that were were very like upset that Smith had gone and it's sort of like a stepdad coming in isn't it <laughs> you know what I mean oh no you, you, you know that sort of attitude but he's won everyone round there and I follow a lot of Villa fans on Twitter and some people were like oh no I'm, I'm not too I, I'm, I'm on board with him now yeah I've, I've got to go um, a dig in at Martin O'Neill um <laughs> It, like, I mean, I don't know what he's doing these days, but thankfully it's not managing the football team. Um, his his tactics are better left 15 years ago. Yeah, um, but they were. We had a good good period under him. We, we, we had, um, well, well, Villa were, were regularly kicking around Europe at that, 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 that fifth, sixth place at that time. Yeah. Um, but football's changed a lot since then. And yeah, yeah. Martin, Martin O'Neill, you, you get back on the bus, you're not coming Le- in. Leave him, where, leave him there. Leave him in that period. <laughs> Yes, yeah. yeah. Um, that's two weeks in a row I've mentioned Martin O'Neill now. <laughs> because we had this conversation last week about Benitez, who I think is also out of date and a bit stale, managerial tactics, etc. You know, I, I just don't think he's um, up to snuff anymore. No. No. Um, but, if it, but we don't want to talk about the past, we want to talk about the future. Um, so like, you've... Obviously had four games now, three wins, one unlucky loss to Man City. Um, how, how do you feel that he started and what, what is he bringing to Villa? Well, first of all, and this is one, and he's not the first manager to do this. and I, um, He's banned ketchup and fizzy drinks from the training facility. I didn't think any professional footballer would bring a fizzy drink to a football training ground in the first place. So, obviously, so he's he's come in and he's said right, he's been a bit more stricter with him I'd probably say but some managers can get away with it and others can't I think it depends on the reputation and his reputation of the player he's come in and set stricter rules and the players have bought into it because it's Steven Gerrard and he's a successful person and he takes no messing and he's been successful as a manager, you can only beat what's in front of you and his first job in management he's had great success to follow on from a successful playing career. 
So he's changed the mentality. Um, some of the players you can see overnight improvement. Um, Marvellous Nakamba in particular uh, has been absolutely fantastic. And Nakamba was one of those players. You know, I suppose like Origi for, for Liverpool, he could do a job, but he's not a regular player and he's never going to get regular game time. Yeah. Would you would you say that's fair? I'd say that's a very fair assessment. Yeah, and and now Nakamba's first name on the team sheet over his performances in the last four games. He's 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 always been one that breaks up play, but he's never had that composure on the ball. But now he's he's he seems more comfortable with the ball. He's picking the right passes. And what you want from your from your uh, defensive midfielders, you don't want them to just break be breaking up play. You want them to break up play and and start the transition. And that's what he's doing now. So the Camber's probably one of them that love ketchup and fizzy drinks. Before, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, he's put Watkins back in the position where he was good for us last year, and Watkins is playing brilliant. Um, the fullback Matt Target, unfortunately, come off injured against Man City, but he was brilliant in the Brighton and Palace game. He got our Player of the Season last year, but hasn't really started this season well. But I mentioned to you about the three-five-two formation Smith was playing, and I don't think targets the sort of fullback to play without a winger in front of him. So uh, he's playing much better now. Um, Gerard said, obviously, when addressing the captain, who's going to be your captain, he says, "I'm going to give Mings the benefit of the doubt for now," and he's got a response out of Mings for that. Mings has played really well, and um, I like his interviews. I like the way he talks before and after games. And um, he said um, after the Leicester game, there's still a few players that he never said they haven't got a future at Villa, but he says they're not getting it yet and we will get them there. So he's not scared. He never named anybody, but he's not scared to sort of dig the players out and um, he'll get a response because his reputation so far, I think the players are buying into it. Yeah, and, and do you think that that's... Um, I mean, I think everything you've said makes makes complete sense, Matt, to be honest with you. Um, I think I've observed a lot of the same the same things as well. I think definitely been, uh, you know, in, I haven't seen his pre-match press conferences, but I've seen, you know, the post-match ones on, on sort of highlights and whatever. And, you know, he does, he does speak very well. And I think, you know, we, we've talked a few times on this podcast about, you know, former players of, of you know, the likes of Lampard and Solskjaer and Arteta, um, and I think Gerard, you know, he to me looks and sounds different to them. And yeah, know, I agree do- with that. Yeah, he, he looks like he belongs and sounds like he belongs. He doesn't sound like a competition winner who's got lucky. It feels like he has a lot more belief in his methods because he has a more yeah. of a defined approach. Um, and, and the fact that he's, you know, like you said, he has had success in his early career. I know there's the there's the it's only Scotland brigade, but to win the league with Rangers when Celtic had been so dominant, you know, is, is a feather in the cap. Um, so he's, is, yeah. he's re, you know, he's reason to feel confident in his abilities and his methods. Cause I guess he's already got evidence that they work, you know, if you can get the players yeah. on board. Um, I think my, my question was going to be, so do, do you believe that this is, you know, this isn't just about impressing the new manager for a bit. I guess the test is going to be, you know, 10 games in, 15 games in, 20 games in, you know, will will they still keep that same focus and intensity for him, I guess, is, you know, is this the, the honeymoon period of, oh, all right, I better better scrub my boots because the new boss is in town, you know, it's in Feb, March, you know, I guess is maybe more the test of, okay, has he really bedded this in now, um, and do players, you know, are they, are they genuinely on board with him, 
Um, and I guess only, you know, time and results will, will probably tell us that, right, and performances. Yeah, and but the thing is, I don't think he, it, as we go further down the road, I don't think he'll be afraid to dig out and name people if he doesn't think they're pulling their weight and and ultimately drop them or get rid of them. I think, you know, if they, I think, like you say, every new manager seems to have that, um, you know, first few game run, don't they? You get them points, you get them wins. It's a new thing. And the challenge will be, like you said, will he still be doing it in three months? But I think he will because he's not going to take any anything less. He's got high standards. And if the players don't meet those standards, they will they'll yeah. be gone or they won't be played. And yeah. I think that's, that's that really. I- and on that note, we're a, we're a big fan of transfer windows on this podcast. Dan, in particular, <laughs> loves a transfer window swinging open or slamming shut. Um, <laughs> but sorry to steal your thunder there, Dan. <laughs> but I've already, sorry, Can I've got me um, me me yellow tie on and my black suit. Oh well, there we go then. Uh, Jim White lives on in Dan's living room. Uh, I know you're a big fan of him, Dan. <laughs> But um, I, I guess the, the sort of question then is, you know, is there talk of, of, is it too early to talk of sort of ins and outs in the upcoming window, do you think? Um, um, or do you expect a name some being mentioned quite a lot is Glenn Kamara from, from Rangers. Um, Gerard knows whether he is good enough to play in the Premier League. So mm. be interested to see what happens there. Um, Ryan Kent's another name mentioned. I don't really know a lot about him. Uh, I know who he is, and I know he used to play for Liverpool, didn't he, Dan? He did, yeah. I, yeah. We, we were kind of um, when I say we, my, my, my kind of circle of match-going friends. We thought Kemp might make it as a oh, squad, okay. as a, as a squad player. Yeah, um, but he went on low, and you know, like he's far as a really good career for himself at Rangers. You know, like he, he is a good footballer. Um, is he Premier League ready? I don't know. Um, you know, like he, he is a good player. There is definitely a good footballer in the skillful, direct, tricky. But if it, like, like I've said, Gerard's worked with these players, and he'll know their character more than anything. And if he thinks they've got the right character, and that they'll buy, they already bought into what he was doing in Celtic. Uh, sorry, <laughs> at Rangers, it's not Celtic. Um, <laughs> he, he already bought into, um, but they already bought into him there. He'll know whether he thinks they will buy into it and be able to adapt to the Premier League. So, I tr- so, but I don't. At the same time, I, we are going to get linked with every Rangers player, aren't we, in January? One hundred percent. So, um, I haven't seen any names away from Rangers at the moment. So, just like we were linked with every Dortmund player for two yeah. years. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And I, I don't suppose there'll be many links to Locomotive Moscow players, though. Can uh, I? I... I doubt it. I, I sort of hope not as well. But, um... <laughs> One thing I was going to kind of mention during that last discussion, um, like the, the one of the ways that I judge Gerard is not how he does in Scotland, and he's done a very good job domestically for Rangers. For, for me, what's impressed me and caught my eye about him is how he has taken a, a pretty average Rangers team. Might be good in Scotland, but in the context of the continents not the strongest team he's taken them progressively further into Europe that's what's caught my eye he clearly has a, a knack for European football yeah yeah and hopefully he'll get a taste of it again soon <laughs> well the, 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 the next question I have um what, what's the kind of um for the rest of the season for Villa I'd say top 10 this year 
Um, I think um, the way last season went, there was a bit of, um, especially with the way it was going with Tottenham and Man United and, and Arsenal at the start of the season. They thought that there is room here for a team to break in, like West Ham are currently doing. So I think pre-season there was that optimism of we can push on from last year, and and we were in a like when I last spoke to you, um, we were in a good position last year where we looked like we were going to um, push and maybe get a European spot, and then that fell to pieces. Um, so, but obviously now it, the bad start, we've had to sort of take a step back and think. Top, I mean, we are tenth now with Gerard, and and I think he can keep us there, and then get a transfer like. The January transfer window, you don't make too many changes, really. Get him a summer transfer window, get his players in, and then see where we can go next year. Only four points off Arsenal this season. Is that a yeah. realistic attempt to, to try and push for that fizzy pop championship league to GM Vauxhall conference thing? Well, I think what you've got to look at um, when you think of your league position is um, who aren't you going to catch? Um, that's how I sort of look at it as like as a fan of someone who finished mid-table last year. Who do you think after 38 games you won't be above? I don't think we'll be above any of the, the big six. I think Tottenham will kick on over the next few weeks with Conte. Arsenal, I can't, I can't work out where they what they're doing. Neither can Paul. I, I, no, I can't. Because <laughs> uh, some weeks you think, oh, he's cracked it now and then... One day happens, and <laughs> it's like, where, where are they? So, but I think over thirty-eight games, they'll, they'll probably be better than us. And then West Ham, I can't see them dropping any lower than maybe six or seventh. Could possibly get fourth. Man United look like they're going to kick on now, and then you've got your your top three who are in the league of their own. And then you think, so that's um, seven teams, and you think, who else um, are in that bracket with us? And I think we're better than Everton. <laughs> so I do think, I. Um, we beat Leicester, but I think Leicester have got a stronger squad. So we'll be in competition with Leicester. Um, uh, South, uh, Palace. I don't know. I think we could probably finish above Palace. Uh, Wolves. I don't think Wolves have got enough goals in them. to. Uh, so I think, yeah, eighth, ninth, maybe. But Europe, I think, might be a bit too much this year. Yeah, I mean, I think you know, just you know, I think you're probably right that 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 seven, well, the big the big six plus West Ham, if we call them that, um, yeah. who I think you're right aren't aren't going to drop out of that. I wouldn't have thought um, they'd have to have a very big turnaround um, yeah. and all sort of drop off for that. But yeah, I think you know you've got Brighton just above you who are, who are flatlining after a decent start. Yeah, not expected I, them to I be. think they, so. Uh, they'll I they'll think... drop down and then yeah, yeah we'll. Wolves, you know, they they look all right, but they don't look amazing. I think you've got a better squad than Wolves um, as well. So, so yeah, it's where the Leicester can sort themselves out second half of the season, but they just seem a bit hit and miss this year. Um, Mostly miss. <laughs> so, I'd, well, I'd say, yeah, I'd say eight, eighth is, you know, probably as high as you could hope for realistically, but I, yeah. equally I could see I could see Villa finishing there if, if you carry on. The, the sort of form and, you know, the sort of trajectory sort of on a bit now under Gerard, um, you know, could see that happening. Equally, like I say, you know, we don't know, you know, Arsenal are still a bit up and down as well, right? So it, I wouldn't say they were guaranteed to finish top seven necessarily. It's one week they look like they've sussed it out and then the next yeah, week it looks like it's it. back to square one. 
what I will do, Khan, for your safety, is I won't publish any of your social media links because you said we've got a better squad of Wolves. I'll share this. I've got a lot of Wolves fans, friends, who will take a lot of exception to that. <laughs> Fair enough. So, uh, uh, <laughs> I, I'm constantly having that argument over who's got the better squad. I, and I think, I think we have, but they won't have it. I, I don't think Khan will get dragged into Midlands bragging rights, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I mean, but, yeah, they beat us, and um, I sort of feel like uh, obviously I'm I'm happier now with Gerard and Smith. So I sort of want to thank Wolves because, like I said, the three-two was where the the start of the decline happened. We probably wouldn't have Gerard if if that game didn't happen. <laughs> I mean, Cam's used to these these arguments. When when Cam was a kid, it was who was better, Stoke or the Vale. What's what's Martin Foyle doing? Um, If then we kind of come to the inevitable question, which has been getting asked before, before Stephen and Gerard even became a football manager, um, how do you feel about the the speculation already that his contract runs out when Jurgen does when Jurgen's does? that must be irritating because it irritates me. It must be annoying that people are talking about his next job and he's, he's, he's scarcely arrived at Aston Villa. But Well, we had it with Grealish every year. It was like, he's going, he's going to go. And eventually he did. With Gerard, I think if he's taken over Jurgen Klopp in, is it three years, Dan, or is it two years? Or whatever it is, that means he's had success with us because Liverpool aren't going to just employ him because he's Steven Gerrard. He needs to prove himself, and he's going to prove himself with us. So he will be going to Liverpool off the back of relative success with us. So I think I'll be happy with that. I know his end destination, and at the moment, obviously, he's going to be very committed to Villa, but I know, obviously, he probably wants that job. So um, if he gets it off the back of us, that means he's done well for us. So... I think we both win then, don't we? Yeah, that's that's yeah. fair enough. I, I I think maybe the advantage from a sort of Liverpool perspective as well, because we we did talk about this a few weeks ago around, you know, is it you know what what would need to happen for him to be a serious candidate for Liverpool? Like he's already got the fact that he's a club legend in the in the locker, but I think where Liverpool maybe have an advantage to to sort of make a proper decision about it rather than just an emotional one is that. You know, if that happens in a couple of years, Gerard will have been a manager for for quite a few years. So it's not like where someone like Lampard, who I know he had a brief spell at Derby, where you know Chelsea could sort of go for him because it's a bit of a, you know, uh, he hasn't had a chance to fail, so, so to speak. Yeah. Whereas I think Liverpool can take like more of an informed view on on Gerard, and if that and if that view is actually, do you know what, mate, you've done okay, but maybe not enough for a team that's you know still expecting to be challenging. Um, for the Premier League and the Champions League, they can potentially go go another way. Um, but you imagine one way or another, he'll still be part of the conversation, I would have thought. Of course he will. It's all we're going to probably hear over the next few years. So, But like I said, for him to get that job, he needs to prove himself with us. So we win from that because that means he gets a successful spell and he wins because he gets his, I imagine, dream job. Yeah, I think it's pretty certain that it is his dream job. But um, you know, I, I've been watching him closely. I have, I, I can't deny it because I, I, it's been getting dictated to me by pretty much every journalist you can think of, 
every other football fan you can think of. Steven Gerrard is going to be the next Liverpool manager after Jurgen Klopp. And as as I've said to to you in the kind of preamble, Matt, and to you, Khan, several times, I'm not 100% convinced that he will be the next manager. Or I certainly, I'm not convinced that I want him to be. But of course, what I want is immaterial. Um, it will be what the owners want. Um, most of the fans will be for it. I, I just... The, the, the pessimist in me is too scared about it going wrong. Is it, is it that sort of ne- never meet your heroes thing, Dan? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I guess it is. Yeah, I, I, I guess so. Yeah, because I, I don't want Stephen Gerrard to make a substitution and for it to get booed out of the building. Like, yeah. like Rafa did the other night, although there's, there's more going on at Everton than meets the eye, obviously. You know, like, I, I don't want to feel towards Steven Gerrard like I did Kenny Dalglish because I wanted him to be replaced as Liverpool manager when he was that second time because I thought that we were very, very poor in the league that season and the cup win and the cup final didn't disguise that fact. Um, you know, it, it's it's a tricky one. But like, I, I, I do think that, that Villa must, must find it patronising. I know I would. But like when it's not new to us though, Dan. Like I said, we've had it for the last well, since we've been back in the Premier League with Grealish. He's going, he's going to Man United, he's going to City, he's going here, he's going there, and eventually he did. We had it with um Delph, Milner, Barry, Ashley Young. I know they're players and not managers, but it's sort of like when you support a club like Villa. You're used to it. You're always used to your best players, your managers getting linked elsewhere because that that's just the way football is, isn't it? You, you, you're successful. You go on to bigger and better things and we're used to it. So, 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 so just so I'm clear, what what you're getting at is that Villa undoubtedly are still a massive club but aren't quite dining at the top table. Oh, absolutely. No, no, no. We're not. We're not. I'm hoping we we will be in a few years, but right now, no. I mean, well, we haven't finished in the top half for over ten years, so we've got to get that crap first. Is is Gerard's remit to make Villa like top half consistently, or, or would you say that the goal has to be European football? The, the goal is Europe. We've got some very ambitious owners, and um, one of our owners, uh, Wes Edens, is the owner of I don't know what you know of American sports, but he took over the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, who I suppose were the NBA's version of Villa, and they won the championship last year. And so money's been invested. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, he, he he's determined, and you know we've got money, and these owners have backed Smith every transfer window. They'll back Gerard every transfer window. It's just and it just comes down to now is Gerard the man to take that back in and put it to good use, and I think he will be. Meanwhile, Liverpool are apparently circling late vultures. If you've listened to uh, to everybody else about what, what what's uh, what, what what happens next, um, what one thing that you've touched on and we, we've not mentioned directly, so let's go there. I, I know you were a massive, massive fan of Jack Grealish, and I think he's a fabulous footballer. I know that him leaving would have hurt. But how how do you feel, kind of like six months on? Because let's be completely honest, he's not exactly pulled up any trees at at, at Man City. I, it, for me, it didn't seem like the right club to go to for him. 
because of the way City play and the way he plays. He he he's one he he's the focal point and and you saw it with England in the summer. We looked more dangerous when he was on the pitch and everything goes through him and in the friendlies leading up to the Euros was the same. He was unreal against Belgium. Unreal. And um it was the same with us. Everything went through him. He plays at his own pace. He He's undisciplined. He, he'll have that free licence. And Pep doesn't like that. And Neither, uh, neither does Gary the Southgate. No, exactly, yeah. But that um, is where the similarities between them end. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um, I just don't think he, he's a City player. And it, it reminds me a bit of when Mourinho signed Joe Cole. He sort of coached that freedom out of him, and and all that at West Ham. How he was, he was our most naturally gifted player, and he he's an enigma and all this. That sort of went after he went to Chelsea, and yeah. he still had a successful career. And Grealish will have a successful career, but I just don't think he's he's the right fit for that team. It's just like styles make fights, as they say, and I don't think Grealish is. St- they didn't need him, and I think that's where my bitterness sort of comes towards it a bit. They they had Foden, Bernardo, De Bruyne, Torres, Fer- yeah. Sterling, Mares. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now <laughs> all of them getting out in most Premier League teams and I just didn't see that they needed him. And and he's trying to play but he played him as a false nine last night. And that's I just don't think that's his he's never been a big goal scorer. He's always been more of the one who creates the goals. City already had that world-class depth in in that role anyway. So I, I, the transfer made no sense to me. I think it was more of a commercial transfer because of the commercial success he had in the Euros, maybe. It was an I want transfer. What they needed was Harry Kane. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and he needs them now. <laughs> Yeah, it did feel a bit like they're, they're just sort of collect, collecting shiny baubles, you know, just, just yeah. because they, they sort of can. And that is, you know, how, how some big clubs operate. Um, but it's interesting that they really, you know, for all the money that City have spent, and it has been a lot, they've never spent, you know, that amount of money on a player. So it's interesting that Graylish was, I mean, they would have done it for Kane if they could have got that deal over the line and he would have cost more. Um, but it's interesting that they still felt, you know, they've bought a lot of players for sort of 50, 55 million. Um, it, it's interesting that they're like, no, we're, we're going to pay sort of almost double our record on a player that, you know, as you've said, like, you know, he's in and out the team. They don't really, because they don't really need him. So they rotate him with the other seven players that do the same job as him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it is strange that he's, well, like I say, if they spent 150 on Kane, everyone said, well, that's fair enough. It's, it's the right player to the right club, so to speak. Um, you know, no one would have, no yeah, ex- exactly. Yeah. No one would have really sort of question that it's like yeah every now and again you have to break the bank to, to, to get a player like that but yeah 100 million for you know for, for them to get graylish sort of yeah for, for sort of i just i just think is, he doesn't is... improve them he doesn't not not because he's not good enough but because like we've said they've already got yeah, enough just good more players in that role yeah yeah so it doesn't change anything for them just adds yeah. an extra player extra player to a position that they've already got ridiculous depth in anyway I'm not for one second saying that Villa would want to re-sign Jack Grealish, but if it got to June and he was deeply unhappy and he was interested in coming back, would do you think Villa fans would accept him, or is that that ship sailed now? 
Oh, it's a tough one. It's a tough one to know. I was at the City game and when he come on, he come on to a chorus of boos and then people stood up to try and clap over the boos. So I, I, I don't know. I would, I'd love him back. I, I, he, he's the best player we've had at Villa for years. But I've got a bit of, I'm a bit annoyed. I don't know. I'm just annoyed with the interview, the interviews that have annoyed me. And I don't think he means, it's like sort of David Brent. You say it because you think it's going to sound better, but it makes things worse. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what his interviews have been like, um, whether it's his advisors or whether he's just not very clever, I don't know. But the interviews have got to me. But as a player on the field, of course, I'd take him back, yeah. I've seen the footage of him driving that Range Rover. He's not very clever. See, the thing, the embarrassing thing now, looking back, is how we defended all that sort of behaviour with him. I think we were so in love with him that we sort of made excuses for him. And now you look back and you think, well, how can you defend that? Every football club, every fan will do the same. There was people who would have you believe that it was Patrick Severo who has been racist. Yeah, yeah, exactly, you know, exactly yeah, yeah. You, 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 will, you will get that, that kind of tribalism at every football club in every country around the world, so I wouldn't feel too bad about that. I just couldn't get over the fact that we were driving like Richard Hammond late for checking. <laughs> <laughs> it, oh, it was... Uh, in a rather expensive car. Um, yeah, you know, I, I won't worry about that, Matt. It's, it's just tribalism. It's... It, it consumes us. It does, um, it does, yeah. And he could do no wrong. And and it actually got to the point where Villa fans were sort of turning on England and didn't get to enjoy England's first run to a final in 80-90% of those fans' life because of the way Southgate was neglecting Grealish in games. Gareth, Gareth Southgate doesn't like people who can't play in systems. Jack, yeah. Grealish, Jack Grealish is the system. That, that, yeah, that's the way he plays. <laughs> and um, and my my thoughts after games was oh, I'm just angry with Southgate and 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 we didn't get to enjoy what should have been a good summer <laughs> because of the tribalism again and and like we just loved him and then I think as well we didn't really believe that he was going to go this summer. I think because because of the the steps we were making. I thought maybe he'd give us another year and with all that spiel the year before my club, I believe in the project, which all turned out to be the reason why I signed his contract is because Man United didn't pay the 80 million we wanted. <laughs> Interesting. Um, yeah, I, I'm a, I'm a big Jack Grealish fan. I, personally, I think he'll, he'll click at City eventually, but um, yeah, he, he's not done as well as I thought he was going to. I, I thought he would have done a lot better, but I, as you say, City are just a possession-hungry, disciplined team, and um, that's not Grealish. He's, he's, he's a maverick, and that's why I like him. Yeah, he, he, you know, he's unpredictable. That's what you want. That's what I like out of that kind of player. Yeah, and, and um, his, his, a lot of his stats are down because of like stats that were so high at Villa because of how we played him individually. They're down, but obviously he's going to win. He's going to be more successful in what he wins over the next five years than he would have been if he stayed with us. Yeah, and, and that's just an inevitability. That, yeah, that, of course. Yeah. It's with the amount of money that Man City spend, they're inevitably going to be hovering around the uh, 
the silver were. Um, but I, I did, I did sit there grinning when they got knocked out of the Carabao Cup. They win every year. I thought, right, just get them out of the FA Cup, get them out of the Champions League, and get Liverpool to win the league. <laughs> At least give him a year where he wins <laughs> nothing and has a little think in his head. That's such a, a, a spitefully vindictive line of thought that I could get on board with. It. Oh, that's <laughs> the sort of person I've become now. <laughs> I think, um, like, not normally what we what we say on this podcast is that. Um, kind of like just give the Carlin Cup to Man City just give the UEFA Cup to Sevilla yeah and just yeah. just be done with the hassle uh, anyone else for anything else I think that's what that's about covers Villa um, see the, the uh, Manchester United Ralph Ragnick era is off to a successful start Calm. yeah indeed encouraging signs from him sort of on and off the pitch you know the way he speaks and carries himself I think he's impressed everyone very quickly um, you know, time will tell and we'll see see how we get on tonight. I think he's picked a bit of a, a mixed lineup given a few players who haven't had as many minutes uh chance as we were already through. Um so yeah, interested to see how it gets on. Um I think Carrick did acquitted himself, you know, brilliantly in his three games. Um, you know, they were not easy fixtures and picking up the pieces after a manager goes is not, not easy, particularly when you know you're not there for very long. So I think the way that he was sort of able to you know, galvanise and get the respect to that squad in those few games and get some good results um, is a credit to him. Uh, and obviously he's moved on now. So, yeah, we'll see how we, we get on. I think we're we're about to kick off, so I'm, I'm quite happy to stop rambling. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I'll uh, see, how, see how we get on this evening. Just uh, quickly, Card, um, like what I said about Nakamba, um, Fred might become Ragnick's Nakamba. <laughs> Well, he let's hope right. so. He looks all right on Sunday. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he does like to have these random swinging shots. That's like the one out of every hundred that goes in. But if but he can he, improve he that ratio, then... passes as well. Yeah. No, he's been he's been quietly in in sort of fairly. You know, he's had a few good games actually. Funnily enough, since since Solskjaer's left. Um, yeah. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see how he how he develops. Uh, yeah, under uh, under Ragnick. Okay. Right, well, Matt, thank you very much for joining us. It's a pleasure. No, honestly, thank you for having me back and hopefully um, a repeater last year. Last time I spoke to you, we were doing quite well and then dropped off. So if that happens again this year, I won't be coming back next year. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, hopefully we'll, we'll get you back on again before a yeah. year passes this time. But uh, yeah, it's pretty much the same as it was last year. We're in COVID restrictions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've gone full circle, haven't we? Uh, yes, we yeah. have. All, all the way back so uh, I'll, I'll let you go and enjoy the football Matt lovely to catch up with you cheers and lads to our listeners we'll catch you again after a while if you're new to the the big football podcast please give us a follow on um, Podbean or your um, provider of choice because it makes the podcast come straight to you and we'll catch you all again soon <laughs>